Okay, thank you so much, team. Welcome again, everybody. And again, if you are joining us online, so good to have you with us. And if you are part of our evening service uh, tonight, so good to have you. The reason I'm saying that is because this message is being recorded for them tonight. Unfortunately, can't be here. We are on a plane tonight. I'm preaching at a church in the U.S. next week and going to two conferences and also being invited to the live GLS. So we're very excited about that. But uh, trust that you enjoy the service with us today. I just wanted to make special mention of our amazing volunteers because I don't know if you know this, but to make this thing all happen, there's a lot of people. <laughs> you would have driven in and seen people welcome you out front. You would have been shown a parking bay uh, on the grass. By the way, did you see we had another entrance created to our church? We had some very drunk man drive through our, down the bank, through the fence, and crashed into this wall here at the early hours. Of, I think it was Saturday morning, and Rory had to come out and deal with that. Uh, but yeah, sorry to whoever does our gardens, but it looks like they're going to need to be fixed. But anyway, uh, you can go see that after the service. Uh, but we've got people doing that amazing. Did you have a good coffee this morning? Some of you? Okay. My daughter says a hot chocolate's really good, yeah. Is that right, Babs? Um, so, I mean, we've got those people. And then to make this happen, the band, the, someone in the studio now, the guys at the back desk. Come on, let's just give a hand to all of those that help make our service happen. So if you're just joining us today, and maybe you're new to our church, we are on week two of a series that we started last week called The Beatitudes. And basically, it's the beginning section of the most famous message that Jesus ever preached, which is called the Sermon on the Mount. And there are nine countercultural, beautifully challenging statements that Jesus gives. And it's a cross-series campus. So we're going to have, I think, Collins next week, and we've got Tom and Beggy coming a little later uh, in the series. And I just think it's hugely beneficial to us right now where we find ourselves in the world. There's uh, values have fallen hard. <laughs> People are confused, and I just have a sense that it's going to be beneficial for us as the church because we really need God to do something in our hearts. What do you think? We really do need revival, and the idea for us as Christians is to be changed into Jesus' likeness. The Bible says from glory to glory, and we need his word to, to change us so that we can express a little more love and kindness to the world around us. John Maxwell, anyone know of John Maxwell? He's quite a famous leadership guy, writes a lot of books. Uh, someone was asking him, how, how is he so effective uh, to reach people that are far from God? And one of the things that he does, particularly people going through difficulties, he says, I, I know your difficulty. I, I, I can understand and sympathize what you're going through. But then he says this, I just wish you had my joy. I just wish you had my peace in and through what you're going through. And then the obvious next question is people, are, well, how do I get that? And then he is able to speak to those people. And I suppose in and through this series, our hope as pastors is that you would just have God's joy, that you would have his peace in and through every difficult moment that you go through in life. So last week, we made two observations with the statements blessed and for theirs, or for they, uh, in the scripture. Uh, for, forgive me if you weren't here last week, but we'll just maybe catch you up quickly. So the word blessed is, means happiness, but it's, it's quite a bad translation. Biblical happiness is... is like a deep joy regardless of what happens. Does that make sense? Happiness comes from the happenings. What, something's happened and you're happy, but joy is hard to explain. Regardless of what you're going through, regardless of circumstance, you can still have a joy in your heart. And basically, 
it means that happiness comes in the most unlikely places. Are you with me? And then the other aspect of this whole, all these statements is, it says for theirs or, or for they, it's kind of they shall have, and it's almost like God's inviting us into something. And Jesus is almost saying to us is, you may have experienced salvation, but there's more. Are you with me? There's more. And I don't know about you, but I want to experience everything of what God has for my life. I want to experience God on another level. So last week we looked at blessed are the poor in spirit. And the poor in spirit, basically we are utterly desperate. Well, we, we, we're nothing without God, okay? And this week we're looking at the second one, which is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. It will be up on the screens or you can pull out your Bibles. And I got dealt the, the toughest one. Well, I suppose I did choose it because I was doing the first two weeks. But it's this, and it's really hard. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I've got to be honest, I've struggled with that verse. There's many other verses in the Bible I think we struggle with, right? We wish we could just tipix them out, you know? And this is probably the most strange out of all of the Beatitudes. And you, you're probably asking, are you saying, well, happy are those who are sad? How, how can you be sad and happy at the same time? It doesn't make sense. But maybe a way to say it is, is God shows up in unique ways to people who are going through bad days. God shows up in unique ways to people who are going through bad days. You see, there's a part of God that you may or may have not experienced that's reserved for you. In those challenging, difficult, hard, dark moments, God can move in a bad day, in a, in a terrible situation. And I think there's many, many Christians that have never leaned in and experienced that level of who God is, partly because maybe we've never experienced really, really dark days. I know some of us have. And then because of that, we haven't necessarily experienced that level of the comfort of God. Because we've got to be moved from mourning to comfort. I've, I started to get a revelation of that this week, that blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. There was something through the computer. For they will be comforted. For us to truly experience the comfort of God in, a, in another level or another way, we would have had to have mourned. Does that make sense? Uh, Bill Johnson, who is the pastor of Bethel Church, recently lost his wife. I don't know if you know that, but lost her to cancer. Uh, a few days after his, the passing of his wife, he preached at church. And this is one of the things that he said. You can just put the graphic up on the screen. There are aspects of his presence that you can only experience in the valley of the shadow of death. And that's exactly what I was trying to say a moment earlier. And then I read this. I was like, wow, that's amazing. There are aspects of God's presence that we can experience in the darkest of days. Chris Hodges, who... Um, kind of came up with the series that we are, are doing. He says it like this. He says, there is happiness even in difficult days because we will experience the provision, purpose, and presence of God. Isn't that wonderful? And when I looked at the content of this and began preparing this, I was like, this is, this is a hard message. <laughs> There's, there's not much laughter in this message. And, and for those of you who know me well, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a joker. I like to joke and tell jokes every now and again and mess around. And I was like, there's nothing there. So I thought I'd just start with a funny story of a guy who had a bad day. Is that okay? 
and we can laugh a little bit and then we can move on because I think we maybe just need to laugh. And this is, an, this is a 100% true story. It happened in 1982 and only in America, obviously, because these type of things happen there. Sorry if you're American. But this is a true story about a guy in Florida. This is a man was working on his motorcycle on his patio and his wife was in the kitchen. The man was racing the engine on the motorcycle and somehow the motorcycle slipped into gear. The man still holding the handlebars was dragged through a glass patio door and the motorcycle dumped onto the floor inside the house. The wife, hearing the crash, ran into the dining room and found her husband lying on the floor, cut and bleeding, the motorcycle lying next to him and the patio door shattered. The wife ran to the phone and summoned an ambulance. Because they lived on a fairly large hill, the wife went down several flights of long steps to the street to direct the paramedics to her husband. After the ambulance arrived and transported her husband to the hospital, the wife um, uprighted the motorcycle and pushed it outside. Seeing that the gas, the, the petrol, had spilled on the floor, the wife used some paper towels to blot up the gasoline. Some Colton rolls, guys. Okay, they threw, and then she threw them in the toilet. The husband was treated at the hospital and was released to come home. After driving home, he looked at the shadow, shattered patio door and the damage done to his, his motorcycle. He became despondent, went into the bathroom, sat on the toilet and smoked a cigarette. <laughs> After finishing the cigarette, he flipped it between his legs into the toilet bowl while he was still seated. The wife who was in the kitchen heard a loud explosion and her husband screaming. She ran into the bathroom and found her husband lying on the floor. His pants had been blown away, and he was suffering from burns in areas that we won't go into detail. The wife, again, ran to the phone and called for an ambulance. The same ambulance crew was dispatched, and the wife met them at the street. The paramedics loaded the husband on the stretcher and began carrying him down the street and down the stairs. While they were still going down the stairs, to the street accompanied by the wife, one of the paramedics asked the husband, how did he burn himself? She told him what had happened and the paramedics started laughing so hard, one of them tipped the stretch and dumped the husband out. He fell down the remaining steps and broke his arm. <laughs> now that is a bad, bad day. Okay, so now that we're done with the laughing, Let's, let's study God's word a little bit, okay? Let's open up our hearts because I, I really believe that God is going to do something today. And we prayed for you this morning, even our production meeting, that it wouldn't just be a normal service, but that God would truly comfort you. Because I suppose all of us in some way or form have experienced deep difficulty, mourning. And remember, these are counter counter cultural principles, and they go against human nature and even sometimes the Christian culture and our wrong views of God. Let me explain that a bit. If you think faith promises you no pain, you'll be disappointed with God. I think sometimes we, we think that, but life is difficult, life is hard. I'm going to explain a little in a moment, but what I want to do firstly is just look at three things around this idea or some of this flawed theology and then give you three ways that we can live through a bad day. Are you with me? Okay. The most common question that I get, particularly at the Alpha Course where you've got people exploring their faith or from people that maybe don't really know God, is, is why do bad things happen to good people? And we think bad things 
shouldn't happen to good people. And we think that for ourselves too. Like, God, haven't you obligated yourself to do this or that type thinking? And unfortunately, it's flawed theology. We have uh, an everything works out here on earth type theology. And yes, God does intervene here on earth many, many times, and he does amazing things here on earth. And, and I would say, particularly, if you look at the, the, the place we live, and in terms of the comforts that we experience, and I know there's you know, different levels of that, but I think sometimes we, we can get spoiled a bit, because we, we're blessed in many ways. The fact that we're sitting here today with clothes on, <laughs> electricity, Maybe you had breakfast or a coffee. We're blessed. And because of that, we feel like God owes it to us. And if something goes wrong, it's like, no, nah, this isn't supposed to happen. So God does move powerfully on earth, and he does amazing things. And even when we look at the Bible, there's actually a scripture in Hebrews where it talks about all the amazing things God did for people. Like rescue people, miracles. But look at this in verse Hebrews 11:35. But there were others who were tortured. There were others. Persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for, for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us better for us, so that only together, just remember that we're together, it's community, with us, we would be made perfect. And sometimes we're like, that's, that's just not fair. This last week, I went down to visit my friend, Robbie Knoll. Remember the guy I told you about who's in that KZN uh, facility, and then we were with two other wonderful ladies in the, in the church, uh, Jeanette and Lorraine. And uh, we went to also see a kids' facility right next door to that, which happened to be right next door, which Janetta told me about. It's just amazing how God works. And we're feeling and stirring that God would want to do something. But guys, I went into this uh, kids' facility where you've got... I'm going to cry. <laughs> I, don't, I can always feel it coming. <laughs> these, these kids are... Um, they're disabled. And many of them are mentally disabled. And they don't even have a dining room. They just get fed like, in these wheelchairs or lying on the floor. And they, they, they've got a playground, but like, I mean, it's just a mess. Um, some of the kids just uh, lie in their beds all day. And, and I stood there, and I, I had to go outside because I didn't want to cry in front of them and the nurses because I just don't think that's fair. <laughs> but I, I stood outside, and I like, had a little cry. You know? It's just not fair. Like, why? And I asked a really dumb question, actually. I said, why aren't there many older people here? And in a, in a nice kind of way, she tried to educate me that many of them just die young. That's why. And it's not fair. But to say to that, thank goodness God isn't fair, because if he were fair, we would have to pay for us and ourselves. And a lot of the comfort of God we experience here on earth, but some of it we'll only experience in eternity. 2 Timothy 4.18 says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to this heavenly kingdom. 
or to his heavenly kingdom. So maybe you're asking, well, which one will he do? The answer is yes, both, but we don't know. And believers who understand there's a maturity and strength about them that doesn't affect them like everybody else or the rest of the world, that is what God desires for us. They're able to say in and through those moments, I wish you had my peace, I wish you had my joy. And even for these people that we want to help, these kids, I'm trusting that in and through maybe something that God does, that they will experience the joy and the peace of God. The second observation or, or, or thing is, is, I think we think that pain always means something is wrong. Like, what did, what did I do, God, to deserve this? Or, or what did they do? Or, God, are you mad at me? Are you cross with me? What, what are you trying to say? And I really meet uh, people, let alone Christians, who embody or live this scripture. And this is James 1, 2. I've read it many times. And it says, Consider it a pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it a pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. God's a de developer. And I'll explain that in a moment. Perseverance must finish his work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, he didn't create your bad day, but he will use your bad day. Whether you like it or not, God is a developer. And he's more interested in our character than our comfort. Can I say that again for somebody? He's more interested in our character than our comfort. This is a tough one this morning, right? Don't worry, it's wrecked me a little bit and it's messed me. And if you don't get used to that, you're not going to enjoy being a Christian. And before you judge God and say, well, that's just ridiculous, that's not fair. Do you know you the same way? Let me give you an example for those of you parents who have kids, young kids here. When you go to them in the morning, do you say, do you want to sleep in or do you want to go to school? Do you say that? Whatever makes you happy, like you decide what you want to do. What do you do? You're like, get your butt out of bed, you know? Get up, you know? No, but I don't, I don't want to go to school. I don't care if you don't want to go to school. You're going to school today. Because school's good for them. They need school. It develops them. And we, some say, oh, but, but God, you're not making me happy all the time. And I'm not sure if that was always God's plan for our lives. He's more about developing us, growing us building character and perseverance in us. 1 Peter 1, 6 says this, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. These are the scriptures we don't really like to read in the Bible, right? It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. See, it will bring praise and glory and honor to God, even as there's testimony to other people of what God has done in and through our life. And when people go, it's like, how in the world are you okay? Like, how are you not like 
done. You're able to say it's the joy of God in me. And as I said to you this last week, I went down with Elaine and I asked her a little bit about her story. And the whole story is maybe for another day. But I didn't know this. Uh, she lost her son when he was 26 in a motorcycle, a motorcycle accident. I never knew that. And I was like, that, that's just devastating. I, I can't even imagine. How did, how did you cope? She said it was just two things that she said that just struck me. She said that she remembers one time lying on the floor, just feeling like she was going to die of grief. Just couldn't breathe. Just, and I was like, she says, that's, that's hectic. I, I, I can't even imagine. And I said, well, like, well, what happened? What did you do? She says, well, the pain never went away, but God did comfort me. God did comfort me. And God has, you know, enabled her to use her story. And I think for many of us, we go through difficult, difficulty. I, I don't even know. And I think it's a good lesson, actually, in how we treat people around us, because you just never know what that person has been through. As you look around the room today, you've got no idea what some people have had to endure. Seriously. So be kind first. <laughs> you've got no idea. Even you can look at someone's life and think, oh, it's all good. They've got it all together. You've just got no idea. I know, especially when we went through our time, 2017, 2018, didn't I talk openly about it? You know, when we were in America traveling, it looked great, but it was difficult. Got no idea what, what we went through. It was hard because God was doing stuff in our, in our lives. Think of Rich Gorv, who plays the piano here. I don't know if many of you know, but he, he lost his mom recently, tragically. Lauren just mentioned to me before the service, it's amazing timing, actually, how God works, because probably planned completely separately, but we're looking at starting a grief care course uh, sometime this term. So look, look out for that. And uh, I think it's going to be hugely beneficial, especially off the back of the service. Um, do you guys know Rick Warren? He wrote The Purpose Driven Life. Incredible. Uh, in 2012, I think it was, he lost his son to suicide. don't know if you know that. And Chris Hodges, who's a friend of Rick Warren's, went to just spend some time with him. He says they just sat on the veranda and cried with him and ate a whole tub of ice cream each. That's all they could do. <laughs> but out of that, he wrote uh, a whole bunch of stuff down that God was speaking to him. And uh, he preached a message. And if any of you are interested, uh, it's on Church of the Highlands. I think it's in 2018, September 2018. It's called Reply All. He was answering questions that many of us have. And he spoke about the six stages of grief. And the first is like shock. And uh, this is incredibly dangerous if you go through that just on your own. Because there is an element of shock that all of us will experience when we go through something difficult. Then it moves to sorrow. And this is not a bad stage. We need, we need to experience all those emotions. But it gets bad if that sorrow overwhelms you. And we don't ever move from that. And Jesus understands this, just by the way. It actually says in the Word that he was a man of sorrow. So much so, before he died, he, he sweated blood. He, he also expressed deep grief and sorrow when some of his friends died. So it's shock to sorrow, and then, and then we go to struggle. And we, we sometimes also get mad at God, and we, we struggle through the world like, God, but why? If we stay there on that third level, our lives potentially will never ever progress. And there are many people that just actually never recover from deep 
shock and struggle and sorrow. But we have to move from there. We need to move from there, and God wants to move us from there. Obviously, His timing is always perfect, but we've got to move to surrender. And these are all easy to remember. They all begin with S. Where we go, like, God, okay, I don't understand, but, you know, you just throw up your arms. I surrender. I, I don't know why. And, and I believe that begins the pathway to peace. And then from surrender, we move to sanctification, which is basically God working in us, dealing with us as we struggle through all those things. And then the ultimate level is once we move through all of those, we can potentially get to a place of service where we help people around us that have been through the same thing we have. Are you with me? Because I, I believe that's when the biggest healing and growth comes, even in our own lives, that we are able to help others. Mourners will be comforted, and God wants to use you to help comfort others. And I'm sure in Elaine's story, she's been able to comfort many people that have been through the same thing as she has. Okay, and then the third idea around all of this is, so these are misconceptions, I suppose, is, is we think we know what's best. It's like, Lord, you, you need to do this. God, you don't know what you're doing. Like, like, are you mad? Like, this is how you should have done it, or this is how you have to do it. But maybe in a humorous type of way, I said it wouldn't make you laugh another time. I don't know if any of the older people here that have been to like a 40-year school reunion. But at school, ladies, you looked at that guy, you're like, I want that guy. Lord, please, that is the guy that I want to marry, Okay. And then you recently went to the reunion and you saw him. And you're like, thank you, Lord, that you didn't answer that prayer. And it's like God knew all the way back then, like that guy's going to be like a tub of goo in 40 years time. So just trust me. Isaiah 55, 8 says this. This plan of mine is not what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. See, that's where the surrender comes in. Okay, God, I don't understand, but I surrender. And mature people go from mourning to comfort. And they truly believe this. For me personally, the hardest thing as a pastor um, is to deal with tragedy and death. Um, you know, if someone's old and they pass on, I mean, it's a blessing, right? It's, it's like, you know, you, you, you can celebrate that. But when someone is tragically taken, particularly when they're young, I'll never forget leading worship here, doing a memorial for a two-year-old girl who... From this day, we said, please, can we never do that again? But they had the coffin in there, and it was right here. It wasn't facing anybody, but before, the, the family came, and they opened it up, and I saw this two-year-old girl lying dead in front of me. I was like a mess. I was like, I just, like, God, like, I can't understand. A few years ago, when I was trying to help a friend in our church, um, our dear friend Graham, we miss him. And going down there and seeing his body, it was hard.
I try to help him desperately. But it's hard. It's like, God, but like, why? I've had to do memorials for people that have taken their own life. One recently was a lady I never knew. Uh, she had been a bridesmaid at a wedding that I'd done, and her parents called me and said, would you do the memorial? I was like, sure. And I sat with them upstairs there and cried with them as they just couldn't come to terms with the fact that their daughter would take their life in her 20s, everything going for her. And I discovered a verse. Ooh, I told you it would be a hard one. <laughs> I discovered a verse this week in prepping for this that I'd actually never seen before. And it's from Isaiah 57. And it's, it's just beautiful. Because I, I suppose the comforting words of God in these moments, and I think for something for all of us to understand, listen to this. It says, good people pass away. The godly often die before their time. But no one seems to care or, or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil to come. And sometimes we just have to surrender to that. Like, I don't know why, God. Why, why did you allow that to happen? We don't understand why good people pass away. But, but maybe God was protecting them from something. I, I don't know. And we have to surrender to that. He didn't cause it, but he uses it. I don't think God is capable of anything bad. It says all good and perfect gifts come from above. But there are things that he allows, and we live in an evil world. God allows things. We don't understand or we don't know, but he knows. But I believe that we can experience the goodness of God that we've never experienced before in and through those moments. As I was running through my message today in the car with Jin, she said, but there's that awesome scripture. And I said, yeah, it's already in here. And it's this, which is Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. I love that. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. It's like there's a reservation or a, se a section of God that's reserved for people that are brokenhearted. And if we look for it, we can find it. It'll be there. There's a special presence of God, and I want to encourage you today. For those of you who have a broken heart, if you look for him, you will find him. I know it's hard, and I know for some of you it's been incredibly hard. And maybe some of you online, some of you will watch this maybe in years to come. Who knows? But if you've been through a very, very difficult time, particularly of late, I want you to read something on the screen. And it's simply this. I've got this. God. You may ask, but how? And sometimes we may not get the answer this side of eternity. But one day we will see him face to face and we can ask him. He'll give us the answers. Okay, I've got, I've got to hurry up because I've got to come to close. I want to give you three things, get a little practical. Um, because we're here on this earth, what are three things that we can do that can help us in our worst day? What do we do when everything feels like it's fallen apart? 
three things, and they all start with the, le- the, the letter R. It's a preacher disease. We like to make things start with the beginning letter. I suppose it's helpful for us to remember. But I want to take a piece of scripture quickly and go through it, because, and out of that comes this. And it's 2 Corinthians 1.3. And it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. And maybe I don't have the moral authority to speak into your situation. Maybe I don't understand. I haven't been through what potentially some of you have been through. But one thing I can promise you is that Paul, who wrote this, did go through some of what you've experienced. I mean, just go read what Paul went through. It, it, he went through some hectic stuff. Talk about some rough days. That I experienced some rough days. And this is him speaking. And he says, the, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we may comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Isn't it amazing how this is also meant to help other people? And there's comfort that comes in that. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. God wants us to use our scenarios, our situations to help comfort other people. And in verse 8 it says, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. It's almost like Paul came to the end of his life. He, he, I don't know, maybe he might have even been suicidal at some points. He was like, I, I can't do this. So that we despaired of life itself, like I wanted to die. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has de- delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that we will continue to deliver us as you help us by your praise. Then many will give thanks on our behalf. Always a testimony in and through our tribulation for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Powerful scripture. Three things quickly. One is practically what we need to do is we need to refocus on what's happening in me, not to me. If something is happening to me, it's because God wants to do something in me. Next time you face difficulty, ask God to reveal that to you. If something is happening to me, God wants to do something in me. And then in verse 9 it says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. So he's saying these things happened so that we could rely on God. God wants to teach us something here that we would refocus and, and rather rely on him. And friends, we need to learn how to pray that prayer to get the answer. Remember, God is a developer. And so often we pray this prayer, take it away, God, I can't deal with it. No, 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 no. Let's learn. Let's grow. Let's say, God, what are you trying to do in and through my life? How's this statement? My pain is either a jail that imprisons me or a school that shapes me. That's incredible. And we get to choose, I suppose. We get to choose. So first is refocus. Second, and then I'm coming to close, is remember God always delivers. You have to remember that. Look at what it says here in 2 Corinthians 10. So one verse on, it says, He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, 
and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Do you see three things? He has, he will, and he will continue. For your life, he has, he will, and he will continue. Say it over your lives today. Say it with me. He has, he will, and he will continue. The best predictor of God's present help is his past faithfulness. What he's done before. So when we refocus, we say, God, what are you trying to teach me? But then, then we remember that he's gotten me bef through before. There were dark days that I've had before, but God brought me through. And when we have that hope in our heart, it, it changed our perspective. I don't know if you ever watched, this is probably maybe 15 years ago or so, like one of the original series, when series started to come out, was a, a series called 24. Do you remember that? And there was a guy by the name of Jack Bauer. Do you remember him? Anyone watch 24? I remember some friends gave it to us and said, you have to watch this, but you're going to be addicted. And we caught up a little later, like when it was already on season three or four, and basically it's this, uh, uh, this counter-terrorism unit, really, and they're trying to fight to save the world, and 24 is, is 24 hours, so it's one day, so it happens in real time, so each episode is like kind of minute by minute. And at the end of each episode, it's like a cliffhanger. Is Jack Bauer going to die? Is he going to save the world? And, and basically what it makes you want to do in those days was DVDs. You're going you're to skip to the next one or put the next DVD in. Do you remember that? Okay. And I remember Jin and I watching this when series were first out. We would like go, one more. <laughs> one more. This is when we could actually like stay awake at night. Like now, like after half an episode of Friends, which is 20 minutes, I'm like, uh. I promise you now, there were two o'clock in the morning times we were watching. Just, there was one time, it was hoppers two in the morning, and we were like, just one more. <laughs> like, quarter past 20 past three, we're going to bed. And there was always this, I wonder if, I don't know what's going to happen. And I want to take you to the end of the Bible, and it's kind of the last few pages, and it's like God speaking to us. And all we would have had to have done if we wondered if, if Jack was going to live, was to look at the other DVDs in the box. There were many more episodes. And in fact, not many more episodes. There were a whole bunch of other series. There was a whole lot. Of course he lives. And Revelation 21.3 says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, and he's saying this to us today, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That's the promise. And we sung about it earlier, and we're going to sing it again in a moment as we close. But no more pain, no more mourning. That's the hope that we can carry on our hearts. The old order has gone away. So we refocus, we remember, and lastly, and I said I'd come back to this, is we have to learn to rely on solid relationships. It's community to help us get through. We need people in our lives. We need family, we need friends. And I think about my life, how people have been there for different seasons. And obviously my wife could never have gone through life without her. And when we've been through things and 
we're there for each other. Obviously, my kids. Obviously, got some friends, you know, that we work with here at church. My parents and Colin, Tony, and some of our staff, and we, we go through stuff together. We need people just to check in on us every now and again. And us as pastors, we spend our lives checking in on people, and I really appreciate when other people check on, on me. And one thing I've appreciated about Mr. Alan Spies sitting in the front is he actually really asks me how I am. Are you good like that? Not how's it, and then how are you? I appreciate that. We need people that look into our lives and are there for us. Solid relationships. And the last verse says this, and he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. This is Paul speaking to the church. Pray for your friends. Pray for us. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor God granted us in answer to the prayers of many. God will give many thanks. There's always a testament in it. And we wouldn't have made it without people around us. We all need community. And that's why I encourage you to join a home group. And I want to encourage you, even for those of you who see each other at church here, you're like, I've seen that person a few times and we've connected a bit. Today, can you exchange telephone numbers? And actually be in touch, be intentional. Life's too short for you to wish that you had made contact or said something. For those of you in your home group, check in on your friends and your family. Those of you, wherever, just check in on people. So we remember, sorry, we refocus, we remember, and then we rely. We can't do it alone. Amen. Let's pray quickly. Father, we thank you for your comforting words today. We thank you for um, everyone that is with us today and those joining us online. We, we, uh, we hear and we, we saying, God, speak to us. Use our situations, help us, heal us, be with us as we endure many things in life that we can't do on our own. And uh, I just think of people here today that have really felt like they're at the end. I don't know how I'm going to cope with this. Deep sorrow, deep grief, deep difficulty. Well, thank you that you're close and that you comfort even today. By your Holy Spirit right now, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would just come and bring a peace into that situation. And even the words that have been shared today, that you could move us slowly to surrender and the process of working in our hearts and seeing what you're wanting to do. And then the ultimate Lord is that we could get to a place where we would use our stories, where we can help other people. isn't that what life is all about and for some of you today you might not even get the answer this side of eternity but it's okay because one day you will 
there will be a day where there's no weeping, no hurt or pain. And in the meantime, He just holds us. Would you hold us now, God? No darkness, no sin. 